Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's college football show. I'm your host, Max Chadwick, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman. If you're wondering where the heck I am right now, um, I'm not kidnapped or anything like that. I know it kind of looks very sketch with the background I have. I'm literally sitting on my friend, uh, his floor, Dalton, his closet floor. I'm sitting on his floor right now. My friend from Syracuse, Dalton, and that pretty much bridges perfectly into what we're talking about right now. How about them cues, dude? Kyle McCord going to Syracuse, former five-star recruit, former Ohio State starting quarterback, and you and I both thought that he was underrated this year, honestly, at Ohio State. Got way too much hate. How about the orange man, Fran Brown, making moves? Now Syracuse has their quarterback for next year. Yeah, sure do. And and I think the big thing is going to be surrounding him with a better supporting cast, but he, a 90 passing grade from a clean pocket. He was at least the third, if not the second best quarterback in the Big Ten this year for as much as he might get blamed for losing to Michigan or, or, or whatever other flaws Ohio State had on offense. Like, obviously, he's limited with his athletic ability, but this is, to me, as good a quarterback as Syracuse has had in a long time. Yeah. I, I think to get it jump-started, they're losing a lot of guys now with Dino Babers getting fired. There's a lot of guys that went in the portal, but Fran Brown is trying to come in here and make McCord the centerpiece of this. I, I, I get it totally. The only thing I'm a little concerned about is their supporting cast. They the 12th worst O-line in the country. Not a great group of receivers. Really just struggled in general offensively this year. But if McCord's going to be the centerpiece and it's built right, I, I think – as a passer, look, he makes quick decisions. If he's protected, he makes really good decisions. He's reasonably accurate when he steps into his throws. I, I think this is a big-time hit for, for a Syracuse program, really trying to find it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, yeah, he's pensioned all the, you know, opt-outs they have. Syracuse has a few guys in the transport as well. But um, the receiving core, I think, will be a lot better next year. I think you got Aranda Gadsden, who was their best player by far. He got hurt in the first game of the season out for the year. Uh, the star kind of slot receiver, tight end-ish, bigger slot for them. I would be shocked if he enters the NFL draft. Right now, he's probably going to be like a six-round pick. I'm sure he wants to come back, especially now that Kyle McCord's there. He's probably going to go back. And then also, I mean, Fran Brown coming from Georgia, the Georgia defensive backs coach, he brought in a couple transfer receivers from Georgia. Yazid Haynes, uh, who was only a true freshman this past year. Uh, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, very highly rated receiver recruit. So he's probably making an immediate impact for Syracuse. And Jackson Meeks, a little bit older, but another former uh, Georgia receiver who's a three-star coming out as well. So Syracuse, I I, I really like the moves that uh, Fran Brown was making. I'm not going to lie, Dalton. I didn't love the hire immediately when it happened, but man, they are pulling in four stars. They've had some five stars visit Syracuse too. Obviously got Kyle McCord coming in at quarterback when nobody really thought that was possible. I mean, Fran Brown, man, is really starting to prove my initial doubts wrong. And I am truly uh, excited to see what he could build here in Syracuse as the ace recruiter that he was coming out of Georgia. Yeah, big time. And look, it's all about connections. And a lot of times I think it gets lost that in college football position coaches I actually recruit as hard as anybody, man. They yeah. have all the connections. They know everybody, you know, especially the depth guys on the team within their position groups. They know, they know what they're looking at when it comes to finding talent. Right. And and I think having those connections, especially at an sec school, especially Georgia going to a place like Syracuse where they just need, they need talent. I mean, they're just not they're They're six and six this year. It feels like they're like that every year because they just, there's a level of talent that they have not reached in a long, long time. And, for him to get a guy like McCord, and I still wonder if there's like if there's still some possibility about Julian Fleming. I don't know if he would go to a place like Syracuse with his pedigree. I know Penn State's been rumored now lately, but to just bring in talent, bring in the talent and coach it and figure it out later. I mean, obviously it's we saw it, we saw it at Colorado. Look, I know they only won four games in the toughest conference in the country, but they needed a wave of talent to come in there and they were immediately better. That's the first step in college football, whether it's now recruiting or portal, the talents with the portal too, going to get spread out. Now we're yep. seeing it with yep. quarterbacks, five-star quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks. I mean, this guy went 11 and one at Ohio state. Yeah. He, he, in any old days before this portal, there was no chance he'd end up at a school like Syracuse unless no. something went really, really wrong. So uh, it, it's a big get. And, and I think to have McCord in there as that guy who won at Ohio state outside of one game, to sit there and tell other skill players, hey, man, we, we've got McCord. Like, we can do this. And in the ACC, look, it's not the most brutal conference. It's not like the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the SEC. I think Fran Brown knows if he can get a leg up on talent, he could immediately vault himself into the top four or five of the ACC. 
Absolutely. I mean, dude, I was looking at the schedule uh, a couple of days ago. Syracuse avoids Clemson. They avoid uh, Florida State as well. And they have a pretty easy non-con schedule too. Like this is, I don't think eight, nine wins is out of their own possibility for the orange next year. I really do. I, I think that the talent acquisition they've done is amazing. And what Syracuse it's amazing that Syracuse is even in a bowl game this year and last year, because when you look at how they've recruited it, they're literally maybe the worst power five team in terms of recruiting uh, these past few years. And yet they still are somehow claw their way into a bowl game. So what that tells you is that, Hey, they're good at developing players. Now, of course, there's a whole new coaching staff in right now. So you don't know how they will develop players, but at least the talent acquisition part, that's not an issue anymore. That was really the one thing holding back Syracuse was that they just weren't getting good players either through the portal or through recruiting. Now they're doing that. And now obviously it's on Fran Brown and his coaching staff to develop them as well as the past coaching staff did. But man, if you got the talent and you could develop just as well as they used to, this could absolutely be a, a really a force in the ACC, honestly, a, a school that can you know win eight, nine games almost every single year. So a uh, very exciting time to be an orange football fan. I can't remember the last time I've said that, uh, but yeah, Kyle McCord going to Syracuse, Ohio state now without, their starting quarterback, but Dalton, they might be able to get one in the portal because another big time ad in the portal just happened last night in USC's Malachi Nelson. Now, Nelson was the third string quarterback for USC this year behind Caleb Williams and Miller Moss. He only played four snaps total in his true freshman season, but the reason why this is such a big deal is that he was a five-star recruit, number 11 overall, coming out of the 2023 class, uh, and like Dante Moore, you know, the crosstown rival at U- UCLA, you got two five-star true freshman quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal right now. So where Malachi Nelson goes would be really interesting. And now that Ohio State's kind of striking out on everyone else in the portal, it seems like Malachi Nelson might be the guy that they ultimately turn to and uh, try to give the keys to their offense to. Yeah, I, I mean, again, Ohio State, we're so used to them having dynamic talent at that position. This year wasn't the case, but McCord was still very good. But they, they, they're always looking for dynamic talent. We're used to it with Stroud and Fields and going back to Barrett and, and, and even guys like Braxton Miller and Terrell Pryor forever. That's all they've had is dynamic yeah, quarterbacks. Haskins, and, yeah. and you, you would think they'd be looking for another one. It seems like it's down to Florida State and Miami for Cam Ward. I, I just I have to think at some point Ohio State's going to do something about this. I I don't know how they can roll into next year with their current situation and losing just about all of their weapons. Yeah, it's it, they they're going to need that prime guy at quarterback to elevate the rest of their team. Pretty much the opposite of what it was this year. Nelson, you know, again they're just running out of guys, right? They they talked. About, I'm sure they talked about Uyagalale. Yeah, they yeah. Were in the camp, they were in the Cam Ward race, but that seems like he's headed to Florida somewhere. Dante Moore has been a lot of rumors about Oregon. I just don't know if they don't come out with a guy like Nelson or maybe even somebody who enters the portal a little late. I'm not sure where Ohio State's going at quarterback, and that's not where you want to be when you're already considered the second fiddle to Michigan in that conference. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, I'm wondering if Ryan Diggs, it sounds like, okay, let's, let's, you know, call a spade a spade here. Kyle McCord was most likely forced out of Ohio State. Like, there's no reason that an Ohio State starting quarterback would just transfer when he, if he was guaranteed the job next year to become a Syracuse starting quarterback. As much as I love Syracuse and I'm an alum, that just doesn't make too much sense. So I believe what happened was Ryan Day probably told him, hey, Kyle, get your affairs in order. We're going to go out. We're going to try to get a, a, a portal quarterback. You know, I'm just telling you because I love you or whatever. Like, I, I, I want you to be in the best situation possible. So you might want to enter the portal. Now I wonder if Ryan Day is like, oh, God, what do we just do? You know, now because Kyle McCord's gone now. It's not like he can withdraw from the portal. He's at Syracuse. Uh, now you got Devin Brown, who, granted, Devin Brown was a five-star recruit coming out a couple years ago, too. So it's not like there, there are worse scenarios uh, than Devin Brown being your quarterback. But you don't know what you got in Devin Brown right now. I mean, really. So um, I'm wondering now if, if Ryan Day, now that Riley Leonard is gone, someone that they were going after, he's at Notre Dame now. Uh, you mentioned Cam Ward. Yeah, it does seem like it's down to Florida State and Miami. Dante Moore, it seems like it's down to Oregon, Michigan, maybe even Miami as well uh, for him. Doesn't really, I've re- I haven't heard anything about Ohio State for him. Um, and then DJ Uyunglele, sounds like it's down to Florida State. I know he's still kind of looking at Louisville. I've heard Ohio State reached out, but it's like at that point, it's like, do you really want to make a change? So uh, it's weird, man. It's a weird spot for Ohio State to be in right now. And yeah, I think Malachi Nelson would be a good get, but also again, it's like, you don't know what you got in the kit either. 
because uh, Malachi Nelson, like I said, only has played four snaps. Now, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, but so was Devin Brown. So I I, I don't know, you know, what, whether or not Devin Brown's good. I don't know whether or not Malachi Nelson is good. So Ohio State's taking risk either way, man. And the other thing I wanted to point out with this Malachi Nelson news is, it to me, before this, it sounded like it was going to be Caleb goes to the draft, Malachi Nelson battles Miller Moss, their backup, who actually is a really good backup for the starting job, but I would expect Malachi Nelson to win that job. Now that he's gone, I think it either means that Miller Moss will actually be the starter, and I think he had like an 85 grade this year on limited snaps, or what I think is more likely in all the smoke that we've been hearing, I think Will Howard is going to end up at USC now, the former Kansas State quarterback. Um, so I, I think that's what's going to end up happening is that Lincoln Riley is going to go out and get Will Howard, who I know is heavily favored to go to USC right now. So what do you think, if that ends up happening, what do you think about USC passing up on a five-star freshman in Malachi Nelson for a, a solid quarterback like Will Howard? It tells me there's a lot of pressure to win next year. I, this year going seven and five was a massive disappointment. You had Caleb Williams for two years and you didn't win the Pac-12. And, and this year got uh, very much worse than they were yeah. last year. I mean, their defense just killed their whole season. Caleb had to play hero ball through a lot of it. And, you know, in the middle of the season, had some turnover issues. That, to have the level of talent that they had, especially offensively, and only go seven and five is a major disappointment. And, and you know, you saw it. Now they've got Deonton Lynn in there as their new defensive coordinator. They've got to overhaul the defensive staff. They, they've really got to find themselves. And I think another six and six, seven and five season in, in the Big Ten, although yep. you're still entering with UCLA and Oregon and Washington, the path doesn't get any easier at all. Mm. And Lincoln Riley needs wins. I think there's a pretty good argument that they were the most disappointing team in the country this year. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, you've got a Heisman Trophy winner. You've got a boatload of talent at receiver. One of the best backs in the country. Obviously, Lincoln Riley's Lincoln Riley's obviously one of the best offensive play callers in the country, but to let your defense erode to that point where it pretty much just ruined your season, mm. there's going to be – there's always pressure to win at USC, but I think going and getting a guy, if it's going to be Will Howard or even another veteran transfer, it, it tells me there's more pressure than ever on him to win, at, I what, 10 games next year? With a 12-team playoff at a school like USC – the pressure is going to be to get to the playoff every single year. Yeah. Top four, I get it. Sometimes you get left out. One loss can kill you. It is what it is. But 10 games, look, Max, I believe it was only, I think it was only 18 or so teams that lost two or less games. And mm -hmm. I think seven or eight of those were in the group of five. Look, 10 wins, 10 and two is going to give you a real good shot to make the playoff, even as, say, the 11th or 12th seed. There's no reason USC fans, especially, are going to uh, they're going to tell you there's no reason they should ever be below that. And this year, absolutely no reason with all their talent they should have only been seven and five. The pressure is on Lincoln Riley to win right now. Yeah, and the lowest ranked. So right now there are twelve Power Five teams that have a ten and two record or worse. The lowest ranked is Oklahoma at number twelve. So Oklahoma will be on the outside looking in because Liberty would get in uh, over them, but Oklahoma will be right there too. So a ten and two season basically on all accounts pretty much get you into the comfortable playoff if you're a power five team like USC is. So yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I listen, I, I don't love the Will Howard move as for a future move. I kind of, in that respect, I would think, okay, I'd rather go with Malachi Nelson, see what the kids got. I mean, you look at what Lincoln Riley's done with quarterbacks, man. He's pretty much made every single quarterback hit their potential. Uh, Caleb Williams, Kyler Murray, Jalen hurts, Baker Mayfield. Like he's, he's, help them reach their potential, whatever that potential is. I, Malachi Nelson being a former five-star recruit, I would expect the same. But, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it is now, okay, instead of taking a risk in, on a Malachi, a sophomore Malachi Nelson uh, to develop him, they probably just want a solid quarterback now in order to win games now. And um, they're losing a lot still. I mean, not only is Caleb Williams gone, I mean, they're going to lose Damani Jackson is in the portal, their, their corner. Um they're going to lose other guy. Mario Williams, the receiver, is, is in the portal Brent, as well. Brendan, Brendan Rice is going in the draft. Brendan Rice is going to the draft. Yeah, they're losing a lot. Marshawn Lloyd, I'm sure, is going to the draft. I'm not sure if I've seen anything about that, but they're losing a lot, man. So I, I understand it. I understand if they go for Will Howard. I don't love it, um, but I understand it for sure. So that, to me, is what that spells out. Uh, Malachi Nelson in the portal. Ohio, Ohio State probably is going to really go after him because otherwise I don't. they're probably going to stick with Devin Brown. Um, or and it also means that I think it's going to be Will Howard at USC. It, that was kind of the rumor for a long time, and I think last night kind of confirmed that that's probably going to happen, is that Mal Will Howard, Kansas State quarterback, will be the new USC 
quarterback. All right, last transportal thing I want to talk about, Dolan. There is really there's a couple schools that we'll get into later on. You know, Louisville's killing it right now. You and I were talking about it this morning. But there's another school right now that is murdering it on the on the transfer portal trail right now. And I can tell you right now, Dolan, um, I knew that I was gonna be the high man on Florida State entering last season or entering this past season. Uh, and I had them number four in my ranking when I know not a lot of people would have them that high. I can tell you right now. That's probably going to be Ole Miss for me this upcoming season. I right now, if they get Walter Nolan, which they're heavily favored to do, they might be the number, a top five team in the country, in my opinion, heading into next year. Because right now they got Prince Leumann Mielin, the number one non-quarterback in the portal, the edge defender from Florida. They got the number two edge in the portal as well, in our opinion, Tyler Barron from Tennessee. They got uh, Juice Wells, the number two receiver in the portal from South Carolina. They got Chris Paul Jr., the number four linebacker from Arkansas. And they got Tamarian McDonald, the number five safety from Tennessee, among other players as well. And like I said, Walter Nolan, who I have as a top five player overall in the transfer portal, the uh, D tackle from AM, he's also heavily favored to go to Ole Miss. So Ole Miss, man, is making moves in this transfer portal. Uh, what do you think about the Rebels and what they're doing right now, Don? I think Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin knows where the weaknesses are. I mean, you look at you look at the two games they lost to to Bama and Georgia, and, and, and I think your problem with Ole Miss right now, and Lane Kiffin, for my money, is the best play caller in the country. It's just uh, unreal. Any team with Lane Kiffin as their coach is going to score a boatload of points, but it can't be the only way they win games. I look at the Alabama game especially. That's the one that killed them because that was just the game where Alabama's secondary was just better and Ole Miss couldn't win the game any other way. They have a boatload of offensive talent. They have the best play caller in the country. They can put up a boatload of points every week. But you have to start winning. You have to find ways. I think we saw it with good teams, Washington, with Florida State, with Ohio State, with Michigan, with Bama. The elite teams don't just win one way. There's always one or two games where you have to win when things just aren't rolling towards your strengths, right? And Ole Miss, look, they're outside of the top 50 in grading on defense. And, and if I took out their out-of-conference games, which are relatively easy, the Tulane game, they still won. But I think even then they gave up somewhere around 30 points to Kai Horton, the backup. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not good enough on defense. And and to me, and Juice Wells is a great addition offensively as well. But to me, the overhaul on defense is the big thing. Look, Uman Mielin was the third-best pass rusher in the SEC. Barron's the sixth-best pass rusher in the SEC. McDonald, you mentioned, a two-year starter at Tennessee – you got Lewis Moore from Indiana, who is their best yep. defensive player at safety. They are especially the middle. If they get Nolan, I, I wonder if schematically they're going to change it because there's times when they run kind of that funky like 3-3 front with like six defensive backs back there and really kind of keep everything in front of them. I I wonder if they're going to change to something different up front and, and just get a more physical. They are not physical enough on defense to compete with Georgia, with Bama, and even the LSU game that they won, they gave up 49 points. And I know it's LSU, but you just – you can't. You can't give up 49 points any given week. You're basically lucky to win that game on one side of the ball. So they this overhaul defensively, Lane, I give Lane Kiffin a lot of credit because a lot of those offensive coaches, what they do is just keep loading on offense. I mean, they kind of do what USC did this year, right? And they just – let's just beat everybody 60 to 50. It doesn't work. Yeah. It does not work. And and the, the thing is this year, if they just had the ability to win a game a different way, they could have beat Alabama. I believe was the score of that game was it 24 to 10? I, I think it was 24 10, yeah. They didn't get blown away by Alabama. The problem is is Bama didn't allow them explosive plays. And that's the way to beat Ole Miss if you can do it, because they have no other way to beat you right now. If they're going to overhaul this defense and they're going to bring in all this talent, their defensive line, and, and clearly they're attacking the safety position. They're trying to make the middle of this defense better. They right now they're number what? 10 in the country or nine. Yeah. They, they, again, they would be in the playoff right now. So if you take them right now and you make them substantially better on defense, you've got a playoff team. You do. And I think, you know, top five might be ambitious, might not. A lot of teams at the top losing their quarterbacks, but they, they have all the talent they could want. And they have the best play caller on offense. They just, they, if they went from, I think it's, I just saw like 53rd in defensive grade to somewhere in the top 25, they're a playoff team next year. You could, you could almost shoot it in. 
Yeah, and dude, not only uh, the guys that we mentioned before, you mentioned Lewis Moore. I'm going to run him up. But uh, Key Lawrence, the starting safety from Oklahoma, he's going to, to Ole Miss as well. You got Ta- Tavion Nicholson, the starting corner from Illinois, who a lot of people really like. Uh, he's going to Ole Miss as well. So, man, they are making moves. And, and Jerquan Scott, an interior offensive lineman from Southern Miss that a lot of people really like as well. He's going to Ole Miss. So they are making a lot of moves right now. And, yeah, man, I'm, you know, I talk about them as the top five team because not only are they making, not only they might be the best team in the transfer portal right now, they're bringing back everything on offense pretty much. Jackson Jarrett's coming back. Quinshawn Jenkins is coming back. Uh, Trey Harris is coming back. They're star receivers. Zachary Franklin, most likely the other receiver who didn't really play much this year due to injuries, but was a star at UTSA. He's most likely coming back. Uh, Caden Priestcourt, their star tight end. He's coming back too. So you got your quarterback, your running back, your receivers. I, I would have had Ole Miss as a top 10 team, even without the transfer portal additions. So now you add, Basically, a lot of the top guys in Uman Mielin, uh, in Tyler Barron, uh, in uh, Tavia Nicholson, the corner from Illinois. I mean, I really love what they're doing. And if they get Walter Nolan, man, man, that's going to be really good. And Juice Wells adding to that receiving core as well. That's a dangerous, dangerous team next year. Uh, I really like Ole Miss, and I can tell you, I can't wait to do our way too early top 25 that I hopefully will do like right after the national championship game because uh, it's going to be an interesting debate, man, because I think – when you look at how many players other teams are losing, Ole Miss is not really doing that. It feels a lot like the Florida State team where they brought back everyone and then they also added a ton of really talented players in the portal. That kind of feels like what Ole Miss is doing right now. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to see what the Rebels can do elsewhere in the portal. I know they're favorites for a few other players in the portal as well. Man, Lane Kiffin is, is murdering it in the portal right now. And I think Ole Miss is going to be a, a not only – a playoff contender, you know, a 12 team playoff contender. If it was a four team playoff, I still think they're a contender uh, next year. So I think this is easily one of the top, you know, seven or eight teams in the country. And I might even argue for top five, man. So Ole Miss is, uh, is absolutely crushing it. So, all right, now we're going to do a little preview for you guys as well for the best non new year six bowl games. Obviously the new year six bowl games are the ones that everyone, you know, loves to watch and loves to talk about uh, the six biggest bowl games. If you don't know what they are, and two of them are also college football playoff semifinals. So it just shows how big those bowl games are. But I mean, there's like 43, 44 bowl games elsewhere um, that we're, we want to talk about. Or actually, like 38, 39 bowl games elsewhere that we want to talk about to you guys, too. So we're going to break down some of our favorite non New Year's Six bowl games uh, and bring those to you guys and kind of give our preview of them with some opt outs that you guys should know about for those games as well. Uh, the first one we wanted to talk about was my alma mater. And I know I promised it actually wasn't me that wanted to talk about this game. It was Dalton actually. So place all the blame at him, but it's going to be Syracuse against USF uh, in the Boca Raton bowl, which is on December 21st, this Thursday. Uh, so Dalton, what are you really looking forward to in this matchup between the bulls and the orange? Well, you just reminded me that's that's your alma mater coming down to the stadium of my alma mater. Oh um, yeah, it's, I, I didn't I forgot about that. But no, I, honestly, I, I wanted to get into we we got into Syracuse a little bit earlier with McCord and kind of the future and Dino Babers getting fired for this game. They're in a little bit of disarray. They're going to try to win on defense. But I wanted to get into USF real quick again. Mm. I, I've mentioned it once or twice before. This was maybe the biggest turnaround in the country, right? This USF you could argue was the worst team in the country last year. They're, so they won six games this year, Max. Mm-hmm. Their previous six wins span back to the middle of 2019. Wow. This is this is where <laughs> this program is, and they're going for their first winning season since 2018. This program, after Willie Taggart left and Quentin Flowers left, and they and they had kind of kind of the heyday of that, has honestly just been a train wreck. And for Alex Golish to come in, he was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee last year. To come for him to come in there and turn this team possibly into a winning team, a bowl team for sure, and possibly a winning team is insane. I want to get into Byron Brown for us yep. for a second, a freshman quarterback. Okay. You know, the last time they were kind of in the national spotlight was when they they played the tight game with Alabama, right? They only lost 17 to 3. The defense played really well. And at the time, the struggles were on offense. Byron Brown, he could run the ball, but I believe after that game, he was the lowest graded passer in the country turning the ball over too much putting it in harm's way that sort of thing since week four since their next game against rice he's got an 84.5 overall grade that's in the top 20 in the country and that's with that's with a lot of turnover worthy plays this kid's a big he's a big play machine he's got he's got an 84.5 in that stretch with a lot of room to improve and this group much like 
Golesh ran at Tennessee with Hen and Hooker. Fastest paced team in the country. They run the most plays in the country. So it's lightning, lightning quick, okay? But Byron Brown, big-time improvement as a passer with a receiving core that was just decimated. Xavier Weaver and um, Jimmy Horn Jr. went to Colorado. Mm -hmm. Amario Dollison went to uh, James Madison. These are three big-time receivers that were at USF last year. And all of them left. They had a ton of transfers leave. They were basically devoid of talent this year other than Byron Brown. Running the ball, he's he's a menace, man. Fifth in the country in rush yards and touchdowns among quarterbacks. First in yards after contact by a mile, by like 130 yards. He's he's doing this, and he's second in missed tackles forced. He's doing this level of running. There's a lot of rate stats rushing that have him near Jaden Daniels. Wow, that's how that's how good a runner he is, and this is the worst run blocking team in the country. It's it's not a good. It's a bottom five offensive line and the worst run blocking unit. Byron Brown, along with a couple other guys, Naquan Wright's had a nice year at tailback. Sean Atkins, a really good slot receiver. They they're putting it together for them. I mean, honestly, Alex Golish and Byron Brown kind of willed this team back into relevance, and and I don't think it can be said enough. The turnaround and with SMU and if with SMU leaving to go to the ACC next year, it kind of leaves a big void at the top, right? Tulane, Tulane just lost their head coach, probably going to lose Michael Pratt. Memphis is good, but not like I mean, they would be the front runner right now, kind of by default. USF next year in the American is the team to watch if he can get more talent in there up front and a little more in the secondary. They they have maybe. There's a chance they have the best group of five quarterback in the country next year. I think this USF team is really one to watch. And for them to get a win, kind of just what it would mean for their program in this game to have a winning record after. Max, they weren't just down years. The last four years, honestly, USF has been unwatchable. Yeah. Seriously. You could argue the worst team in the country for a stretch of four years. And and for them for Golish to go in there and turn this around quickly, the only thing I worry about is how quickly is are some SEC team or somebody going to come calling because he's what he's done and just turned it into like he's got a very like business like approach about things. I almost want to say I don't want to say Belichick ish, but like kinda yeah. It's not the big like it's like just next play, next play, next mm-hmm. play. Just take care of business. It, it's one of the biggest turnarounds in the country, and it, it and it's it's going to be mentioned. Well, the game is tomorrow for the next 24 hours. This is this is going to be a fun team to watch next year, and we'll see if they can pull off a winning season tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, time, uh, the game's on Thursday, actually, so December 21st, so a couple more days. Oh, I thought, no, I thought it's it was actually, tomorrow for some reason. These bowl games mess me up. Dude, it, it messes I could have swore it was tomorrow. Tomorrow is UTSA Marshall, actually, so we got oh, a good that's one. It. That's that's a fun one tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, other thing I want to talk about in this game, honestly, and you did a great job breaking down the USF side of things, Syracuse, Unfortunately, Kyle McCord would not be able to play in this game, and Syracuse will also be without his starting quarterback. Garrett Schrader just announced literally this morning uh, that he won't be playing in the bowl game. He actually suffered a pretty serious shoulder injury in October, and he played on it the whole season um, because he said he wanted he said these guys deserve to play a 13th game. These guys deserve to play in a bowl game. Uh, so he played on that injured shoulder the entire season Finally got Syracuse to pull eligibility. Now he's finally getting uh, surgery on that shoulder. So he will not be playing in it. And I'm, I know all kudos to him for, for guts, for gutting it out and getting Syracuse to where they are right now. So you got Carlos, uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson as a starting quarterback uh, for this game for the orange. They might ran, they might run some, uh, some wildcat. They like to do it a lot with their tight end Dan Delari. Um, so that could be another thing they do, but yeah, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a pretty game for Syracuse passing wise, uh, and it hasn't really been a preseason for them passing wise. But especially now that you're on your backup quarterback uh, without Garrett Trader, who I think is a really solid college quarterback. Garrett Trader is, but his career is over now. Uh, you don't like I said, you can't play Kyle McCord. So Carlos Del Rio Wilson will be the starter for Syracuse in this game. And Syracuse Dolan is still favored by two and a half points uh, in this game. Do you think the Orange ultimately uh, pull it out? Or do you think the Bulls are gonna win this game? I actually think this game means a lot more to the Bulls. I, I just I just question for a game like this. It's kind of a lame duck game where Syracuse will be at mentally and offensively. You just mentioned it without Schrader. Um, I, I think I, I had the Wake Forest game, the last game of the year that got them bowl eligible. And, and they just I think there was four different guys that lined up under center, even with Schrader there. Yeah. They're, they're just trying to piece it together right now. And, and I think what this game means to USF and, and and it's a lot shorter travel. They may even be taking a bus, only about a three and a half hour ride down there. 
done it before. Um, they, I, it just means a lot to the program. I think it just to get a, certain teams to get a winning record, it, it just means a lot. And I, and I think Byron Brown is the best player on the field. I think the tempo, USF runs the fastest paced offense in the country. I think the tempo is something that could bother Syracuse's defense. I, they haven't seen a team like that like that this year. Again, you think about what Golish has brought. It's very similar, pretty much exactly the same as what they did at Tennessee last year. It's just fast, 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 positive plays, screens and verticals, and in between Brown scrambling is a nightmare. I I like the Bulls in this game. I think they're going to be really high energy. As long as they stop the run reasonably, I I like their chances in this game. I'm going to take USF uh, 31 to 24. All right, I'm taking – I actually I have to go with the orange here. I, know, I don't feel good about it because I know Garrett Schrader's not playing this game, and I do love what USF did this year. Uh, I'm going to say 30 uh, – actually, no, 28-24. I'll go Syracuse 28-24. I think the orange will win. I uh, have to pick them, obviously. But, yeah, it should be a great game. I'm excited for that one. Another one that, uh, Dalton, you wanted to talk about was the SMU game that we got as well. SMU, obviously, um, had a great season this year. A lot of people thought they might have been the team that should have been playing in the New Year's Six Bowl. They're not. They're playing in the Fenway Bowl. Uh, SMU against Boston College. Kind of a home game for Boston College uh, in this game in Fenway. But uh, what are you looking forward to most in this SMU-BC game? I think... You know, it, it's it's a fun one. With SMU going to the ACC, they really kind of get their first conference game, right? And they get True. to see what they're saying. I know Boston College isn't the best team, but they again, they're another one. Scratched their way to 6-6. Six and six. Thomas Castellanos, a really solid dual-threat guy. They darn near beat Florida State. They, mm-hmm. they had their defense having fits in that game. They, they can cause – Castellanos can, can cause some problems. But, they, again, we just need to highlight how good SMU is. And I, I kind of – I, I, I think there's a very good argument that it should have been them over Liberty. They got punished for their non-conference. Their two losses were at Oklahoma and at TCU early in the year, too. You know, I didn't expect them to go into Tulane without Preston Stone and win. Kevin Jennings was good enough, had a 76.4 grade in that game. But SMU is very well-rounded, you know, and I think a lot of perception for this game might be, well, you got SMU, high-flying team from Texas and Rhett Lashley and doing all this, going to Fenway, they're going to – they're going to freeze their butts off and who knows what's going to no they're physical man yeah. they're the third they have the third highest graded o line in the country they have the second best pass rush win rate in the country in the trenches they can play with anybody they got ballers on the outside they can play in the trenches they're, look they're the fifth highest graded overall team in the country for a reason they've got they've got everything they are not just one of these high flying teams with a quarterback and two or three receivers that just that just get after it through the air. They've got everything. I want to point out one guy, Elijah Roberts, outside linebacker, all right? Second best edge player, actually tied with Chop Robinson for second best edge player in the country behind Leatu Latu, all right? Fifth in pass rush grade, 64 pressures, 13 sacks. I'm going to be honest with you. I knew he was good. I didn't know he was this good. He's He was our first team def- uh, edge player mm. for the all AAC team for the PFF. He absolutely dominated Tulane. He was the best player on the field. And I'm watching this game, and I'm like, this guy's winning every single play. So good, in fact, that during conference championship week, he was our defensive player of the week throughout yeah. the entire country. There, You had Georgia-Bama. You had Oregon-Washington. He was the best defensive player in the country during conference championship. A 95.3 grade against Tulane, a really good football team at Tulane as an underdog with a backup quarterback with everything on the line, right? Including possibly a New Year's Six had they been picked. The second best grade by an edge rusher who played 25 snaps in a game this year, only behind Chop Robinson against Rutgers. Just a monster performance. He's a Miami transfer. He's 6'4". He's 280. If you want to watch any single guy to know that SMU's got a complete football team, Elijah Roberts, number five at outside linebacker, and an elite football player. I'm telling you right now, probably, I don't know if he comes out this year or next year, but one of the more underrated defensive linemen. This guy, this guy's a monster. I'm telling you right now, if you watch his Tulane tape, by far the best player on the field. And he's, he's honestly, he's one of the 10 best edge rushers in the country right now. I love that dude. And yeah, I, I actually put out a tweet, um, a couple of days ago about SMU and how good they are. Uh, and actually when I was talking about Kyle McCord, I said, I think Kyle McCord right now is the second, right now is the second best quarterback in the ACC. 
Um, and people were asking, well, who's first? And I said, I think Preston Stone is from SMU. I, I think he's the best quarterback in the ACC uh, heading into next season. So uh, Kyle McCord, number two, we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, Cam Ward will probably jump Kyle McCord in that ranking as well. Maybe probably even Preston Stone, depending on wh- what school he actually goes to and, and who else gets you know top quarterbacks in the portal. But yeah, man, Preston Stone is a superstar. And I, he really is a, a really good quarterback. And SMU all over the place is great, man. You mentioned they're graded out really highly in every aspect pretty much this is a really really good football team so i think smu i think this might be a beat down i think they're going to beat boston college i'm going to say 34 to 20 i think would be the final score in this game uh, i think they'll cover the 11 point spread that they have right now but who do you think ultimately Dalton? do you think is going to win this game I, I like smu also and look kevin jennings going going into the start against tulane only had like 40 something pass attempts in his career you don't go into Tulane with a backup quarterback and win unless you have a really good football team. I'm with you. They're well-rounded. They are physical enough to play in cold weather like this. I know Boston College is used to it, but SMU is just the better football team. I think Boston College, they got a home game that might even it out, but they got a really tough draw playing SMU, man. I, I, I believe in the Mustangs. I believe in their chances to really compete in the ACC next year, like you mentioned. I, I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them also. I'm going to take them 30-20. to 20. Um, I, it's not going to be as explosive with Jennings as it would be with Stone because mm-hmm. Preston Stone broke his ankle a few weeks back. Yeah, but absolutely, I think it's a great stepping stone. And to get to play an ACC team going into it, it's, it adds a factor of intrigue. And I think for SMU, let's see where we stand. If we go in here and we beat Boston College by twenty, maybe we walk in as one of the three or four best teams in the ACC. Maybe. Maybe. And yeah, I'm glad you brought Preston Stone is not playing in this game, but I, you know, next season, he's absolutely going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be a really good team. I, I think SMU is going to win. Uh, now I want to talk about Dalton's. We always do the rank games, no matter what we always do the rank games. There are four non New Year's six bowls that are between ranked teams. Uh, the first one that we're talking about is number 18 NC state against number 25 Kansas state in the pop tarts bowl. I don't know if you saw that the winner of this game will be able to take a bite out of the pop tarts mascot. I personally don't know if I want to do that. I, if, if it's a sweaty guy in a costume, I don't know if I want to take a bite out of that guy. Uh, I don't is know. It, what the is, it edi- is. Is, it, is it edible? It's an edible costume. It's an edible. Co- I don't know if it's someone's wearing it. I don't know if it's that, or maybe it's just a massive pop tart. I don't know what it is, but when they said it, I was, they said yeah. a mascot. And I, I was like, I don't know if I, I want probably, to eat I, that. I, no, I'd probably, I would prefer a person not be in there. Yeah. If it's just a, if it's just an eight if it's just an eight foot pop tart, I, I might I don't if there's a person in there, I might you know what just yeah, hand me the trophy. Yeah, just hand those, me the trophy. I I I kiss the trophy. That's fine. I'll kiss the trophy. Yeah, I don't want I don't know if you've ever wore like a costume like that before, but it is not fun, man. It is you get gross in there. So like wow. I, if it's edible, I don't want to touch that. So I don't know what the mascot is. Maybe maybe it is just a massive pop tart. Maybe it's just a, fa- a face is drawn on it or something like that. I, the but... phrase the, the phrase sweaty pop tart just came into my head and I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. That'll be the next I flavor that comes out after this game. Honestly, is a sweaty pop tart. I I, I I now hate this game just because of that. Yeah. Wow. So okay. now maybe now both teams might try to lose this game. And speaking of, I mean, there are a lot of players opting out. And that's something I think we need to bring up with all these games that there are a lot of players opting out. So it kind of is just who's left is, is what you really got to go off of. For NC State, Peyton Wilson uh, most likely is going to opt out. I don't think it's official yet, but most likely he's going to opt out. Uh, MJ Morris, their quarterback, who's kind of been the backup all year to Brennan Armstrong, he's opted out. Or he's actually in the transfer portal. Um, Porter Rooks, he actually, uh, Morris is going to Maryland. That's where it was. Uh, Porter Rooks, one of their top receivers. Uh, he's in the transfer portal as well. Their backup center, Lyndon Cooper has played a lot this year. He's in the transfer portal. CJ Clark, uh, transferred to Miami. They're starting defensive tackle. So he's in the transfer portal as well. And then for Kansas state, uh, Will Howard, not playing obviously in the transfer portal. Treshawn Ward also in the transfer portal, actually going to Boston college too. So good get for the Eagles there. Uh, Ben Sinat, one of the top tight ends in the country. He's uh, declared for the NFL draft. Uh, Nate Matlack, their edge defender, he's in the transfer portal. Will Lee the third, their really good corner, he's going to Texas A&M. He's gone. Uh, Matlack, by the way, going to, to Pittsburgh. And then Kobe Savage, their star safety, he's also in the transfer portal. Now Cooper Beebe, a lot of guys, a lot of people thought he would be opting out. He announced that he's absolutely not opting out. We have an interview with him. He's a great guy. He's playing in this bowl game. So that's a big, big get uh, for Kansas State. But obviously, Dolan. We got to talk about Avery Johnson now because now that Will Howard's not playing this game, this is kind of the first, you know, taste of the Avery Johnson era that we're going to get at Kansas State. Now Colin Klein, their offensive coordinator, he's gone too. I think he's at AM now. Uh going to be interesting to see what uh, Avery Johnson could do here against um, 
against NC State. Yeah, and we talked about him earlier in the year. And look, uh, one guy you didn't mention there is DJ Giddens, who was actually their highest graded player on offense. He he was having a better year. He's had a better year than Trishon Ward anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think they they find creative ways to run the ball. And actually, Johnson is a more much more dangerous runner than Will Howard was. I, I think having Avery Johnson, still having DJ Giddens. Now, I, I'm curious to see the adjustments, like you said, with losing Colin Klein, who I, I thought had an excellent year consider mm-hmm. he was shuffling two quarterbacks in and out there was times where they struggled to throw it but the creativity in their run game is a lot of what makes them really good obviously there's great players Giddens and, and BB and those guys up front are really really good but they they still they find ways to, and they've had these packages it's not like Avery, Avery Johnson played a lot this year and there was certain games he was a crucial part of the plan right he he this is not like um something like some of these other teams having either a third, fourth string quarterback or somebody making the first start. Avery Johnson's got experience. He's inconsistent throwing the ball for now, but he's a freshman. But he's a really good athlete. He's the quarterback run game. And look, NC State, they're eighth in the country in run D grade. You lose Peyton Wilson, but you still have Devin Boykin, who leads all safeties in run Mm -hmm. D grade. Robert Kennedy, who's fifth among all safeties. Savion Jackson's a really good player off the edge. Quarterback run game can equalize some of those things, especially without your leader in Peyton Wilson. I think Avery Johnson and his experience could be a really big advantage in this game. And the fact that DJ Giddens is playing as well and BB, their their run game could be just as dynamic as it is any week. But it's a fun matchup against NC State, who's really their front seven and their defense, they, they carried them this far. Not a whole lot offensively. Wilson and company – they, they got him here. They're a really physical team. This is a fun matchup. It is yeah. just, just to watch, just to watch. I, I, I would like to see how Kansas state continues to scheme things, especially now with Johnson in there for a full game. Yeah. Yeah. Avery Johnson, true freshman, number nine quarterback in the 2023 class, according to on three's industry rating, uh, 68.5 grade on 133 snaps this year. Obviously NC state 11th best defense in terms of EPA per play, but mentioned it, Peyton Wilson, who won the Baneric award. Uh, he's not, playing in the, or most likely not playing in this game. This is all the reports are saying. I don't think he's officially announced it yet, but most likely not playing in this game. So ultimately, Dolan, who do you think is going to end up winning the Pop-Tart Bowl and will take a bite out of that mascot? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm an Avery Johnson guy. I, I just something, uh, something about his fit. And I, I really would have liked to have seen Colin Klein stay because I think Johnson reminds me a lot of Colin Klein. Got this weird, like mm-hmm. tall, lanky build, but he, he's faster than you think he is. He's he's uh, he's a really really good athlete, and, and I think I think Kansas State can do a lot more of their fundamental things on offense than than you think, even with Johnson in there full time. Right? NC State just they just don't score a ton of points, and I think K State's very willing to grind it out five yards at a time with Giddens and Johnson. I'm going to take Kansas State. This game's going to be really physical. It's going to be ugly at times, but I like K State. I'll take them 21 to 16. Okay, I'm taking actually NC State in this one. I'm taking them 24-21. I think the first start for, for Avery Johnson against a really good defense. Uh, I just I, I don't know if it'll, I think they're gonna frustrate him a lot in this game. So I think NC State wins in a close one and ultimately pulls out the uh, the pop tarp. But also because NC State's you know they're missing Peyton Wilson, sure, but what they're missing kind of pales in comparison to what Kansas State is missing, honestly. So I think that plays a big factor uh, as well. Next up that we're talking about is the Alamo Bowl between Oklahoma and Arizona. Number 12, Oklahoma, number 14, Arizona uh, in the Alamo Bowl on December 28th. That's also the same day as the Pop-Tart Bowl, by the way. Oklahoma in this game is going to miss a, a lot of players. You know, they're missing Dylan Gabriel, their starting quarterback who transferred to Oregon. Uh, Toby Walker, their running back, who I think is criminally underrated. He's a really good running back in the portal. Um, he's in the transfer portal. Andrew Rehm, their center, declared for the draft. Uh, their right tackle, Tyler Guyton, also declared for the draft. Their star uh, left guard, Caden uh, Green, who was a really good player for just a true freshman. He surprisingly entered the transfer portal. I think that's a really big get for whoever gets him as well. And then Key Lawrence, we mentioned him before as transferring over to uh, Ole Miss. He is also in the portal as well for, uh, or obviously now he's at Ole Miss for, for Oklahoma. So they're missing a lot. Arizona, 
really only missing one player, and it's their star player, but Jordan Morgan, their star left tackle, uh, declared for the NFL draft, top 45 prospect on our big board. But that's kind of it for Arizona. That's really the only player that they're really missing, only significant player that they're really missing in this game. So uh, Arizona kind of playing at full strength pretty much, while Oklahoma obviously is breaking in a lot of new players. Yeah, and you uh, another one too. Marcus Major entered the portal. Also, I don't I don't necessarily know what Oklahoma has left at running back, but no Arizona. I think you mentioned it at full strength, and I'll tell you what they they've been at full strength and on fire for six weeks. Man, they are they're they're legit one of the fifteen to twenty best teams in the country. Fifth in offensive grading now uh, to wow. end the season. Uh, the only four teams ahead of them: LSU, Oregon, Georgia, Washington. That's wow. that's elite elite company, and since you know, since they really found it, there they just they run this high percentage offense, right? Jonah Coleman might be the most physical runner in the country, six in the country in rushing grade, a yards after contact, five point two yards after contact per attempt, the most of any back with at least a hundred carries, just five yards after contact per attempt. He is just like this Jerome Bettis downhill between the tackles, like. If the only other guy I think as physical as him at the position is Audric Estime. And, and we got to get into, man, I'll tell you, we were talking before the show, we got to get into it. Tetaroa McMillan, mm-hmm. what a run he's on right now. Since week seven, fifth in the country in receiving grade, okay? Four guys ahead of him. Ricky White from UNLV. We went over that a couple weeks ago. Um, Taj Washington, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison. Wow. That's it. That's the company McMillan's keeping right now. And I, I was watching his more of his tape this morning. And I, I just, I, it just came to my head. I was like, what is this? What is this? Right. Sometimes, you know, I like my player comps. I'm yep. always thinking, I'm like, why does this guy, I, this is high praise. Don't freak out. I was like, what, why does this, he looks like Mike Evans, six, Ooh. five, six, yeah. five, two, 10 contested catches. Not the fastest guy. He's going to run probably a four, five. I would bet money he's a four-five guy, but just like contested catches over the middle, crossing routes, catch point, really good hands. Like I was just like, why does this look like Mike Evans? What is like? Where did Arizona find this guy? I I, I just Fafita. I mean, he makes a ton of high percentage throws, but when he's looking down the field, he's going to McMillan, and sometimes it really is just meant just give him a chance. He's 6'5 and 210. And honestly, against some secondaries in the Pac 12, the guy looked like a dinosaur. He had 266 yards in their last game against Arizona State. He's he's a nightmare to cover. I'm telling you, he's a solid route runner. He's not blazing fast, but he's faster than you think for a guy like that. I, I think like we think about Johnny Wilson from Florida State as the big size guy right now, mm-hmm. receiver, right? Mcmillan, I, I'm gonna tell you right now, McMillan's a better route runner than Johnny Wilson. He's think think of that. I, I'm he's like just oh he's I think he's right now he might be the best receiver in the country that nobody talks about. I he's, love that. He's and he's hit a gear the last six. I think a big big part of the ascension from like kind of they're very physical as a team, but McMillan being this explosive, it, it's changed it's changed the whole thing because before it was like Coleman high percentage screens six yards at a time workman like he's added this explosive element. And I'm telling you. His frame, his route running, his hands, he's got a long, long future in the game, man. I'm telling I just, again, Mike Evans is high praise. He's going to the Hall of Fame one day. Play style, body, even just his movements. It just reminds me of Mike Evans at a and I'm, I'm telling you right now, he's he's going to be a guy to watch here very soon. It is, I don't believe he's not coming out this year, right? I don't believe so, no. Yeah. Next year, if I've got three guys at receiver. Luther Burden, obviously mm-hmm. our guy, McMillan, and probably Ia Maynard from Stanford. Those three guys are those are my guys for next year at receiver. I, I, McMillan is that good at six five and and about two two oh five two ten. I don't think there's very many guys in the country that move better than him. So you guys, so you guys are right there. Dalton is saying it. McMillan is going to have. 11 straight 1,000 yard seasons once he gets to the NFL with the Mike Evans comp. Right <laughs> so, Desiree, yeah, dude, he's, he's phenomenal. I, he really is a star player. And I, I think he's a, been a great receiver. You know, everyone kind of was worried about Arizona's passing game. Obviously, um, when Jane Delora went down with an injury. Um, and then obviously, Dorian Singer, one of the top receivers, he transferred over to USC. Uh, McMillan, by the way, only a true sophomore this season. So, yeah, he's oh, true junior next year. Yeah, he I, he's going to be a first round pick probably 
uh, in a lot of mock drafts for 2025. Is he, I'm trying to think if there's any others, does he walk into the big 12? Is he the best receiver in the big 12? Is there anybody else that's like, I can't that think, we can of, think of, of I can't even think of anyone else right now that would, that would rival him. Yeah. I would he's, say he's going to be, he is going to be a nightmare for those secondaries in that conference. And I'll tell and, and this is a team that was not supposed to be good. They're yeah. not. This is another one. I, I don't know if it's quite as drastic at USF. It's pretty close. I mean, Arizona had some down years too. The job that Jed Fish has done, especially with Fafita coming in there, having to start midseason, just one of the he's he should get coach of the year votes. To be honest yeah. with you, with oh the, yeah, absolutely should. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, if I didn't, I didn't see the whole balloting, but if he wasn't on there for some people, I, I don't know. I don't know how you couldn't have him on there. Yeah. Yeah, Kenny Galladay is another comp that I, I like from McMillan. I watched him. Uh, I watched oh, him a few a weeks one. ago. I think Kenny got the good Kenny Galladay, not the not the New York Giants one. The good Kenny Galladay was at the the Lions. That's that's another one that I think would be pretty good. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about this game is obviously we talked about it before Avery Johnson era at, at Kansas State beginning. The Jackson Arnold era at Oklahoma is beginning now because, like we mentioned, Dylan Gabriel in the, is at Oregon, uh, so he's gone. Jackson Arnold will be starting this game. He was the uh, top ten overall recruit in the class. I believe he was the number four quarterback in the class as well. Um, it was a loaded quarterback. Actually, recruiting-wise, it was the greatest quarterback class we've ever seen. Uh, five of the top 11 overall recruits were quarterbacks, which is crazy. Yeah, the most before, I think, was like two of the top 11. So Jackson Arnold will be starting this game. Uh, he has a 73.2 grade on 94 snaps this year. Really excited to see him. Uh, his comp coming out of high school, according to on three, was Baker Mayfield. So I know a lot of Oklahoma fans are probably very happy to see that. And if you can have a career like Baker Mayfield, they'd be very, very happy with that. Uh, so I'm excited for Jackson Arnold, man, and, and see what he can do um, against uh, Arizona in this game, a physical Arizona defense, like you mentioned before, in this game. So ultimately, Dolan, who ends up winning the Alamo Bowl between Arizona and Oklahoma, in your opinion? I have to go Arizona. Just the difference in having having your team pretty much full strength, like you mentioned, other than Jordan Morgan and and where Oklahoma is at right now with their roster, it, it's tough. They're, they've lost a lot in the portal. It's 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 going to be really hard, even with even with a couple of weeks to prepare um, to get to get a team that's basically never played together obviously some of their defense is still put together but it's a it's an up and down defense at times and I think Arizona's just blazing hot I mean honestly they're number what is it 14 right now honestly the way they've played the last six weeks they might be one of the five or six best teams in the country mm. really I mean they Love just that. they have it they have it rolling the play calling's great they're really really physical um, I think with if Oklahoma was fully loaded, obviously with Gabriel and Arizona's defense is more good than great. This would be I think this would be a much tighter game, but it's just there's so much influx for the Sooners right now. I have to pick Arizona and I'm I'm going to actually I'm going to take a big I'm going to take him 38 to 17. Wow. Love that. OK, I'm actually I'm picking Arizona to a much closer game. I'm saying 34 to 31. Um, it, it just comes down to, you know, they're not missing anyone. And I think Ole Miss, we talked about Ole Miss before as a team that we're going to have really high in our rankings. Dude, I think Arizona's probably going to be a top-ten team for us too, honestly. I, I think it's a strong argument we've made that they're a top-ten team heading into next year with how many guys they're bringing back as well. So uh, Arizona, I think, will win 34-31 to 31 in the Alamo Bowl, take down Oklahoma, and cap off what's been a magical season for Arizona in a really, really good way. All right, the next game we're talking about is the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, or actually better known as the opt-out bowl, Dalton, between Notre Dame and Oregon State. Number 16, Notre Dame, number 19, Oregon State. On paper, this seems like a great game. You know, with all the players that would be going against each other, it'd be a really fun game. Man, both these teams got ravaged by the NFL draft, by the transfer portal. I mean, these are going to be two completely different teams that you see in Notre Dame and Oregon State. They're not going to look anything similar to what they look like all season. Let's start with Notre Dame. They're opt-outs. Who's not playing in this game? Sam Hartman is not playing. He opted out of this game. He's you know going to the NFL draft. Audric Estime, their star running back, opted out of this game. He's going to the NFL draft. Uh, their top three receivers, Tobias Merriweather, Rico Flores Jr., and Chris Tyree, all of them are in the transfer portal. They're not playing in this game. Their star tight end, obviously Mitchell Evans, he's out for the season with his injury. His backup tight end and Holden stays. He's in the transfer portal. He's not playing in this game. Joe Alt, the All-American left tackle, the best offensive lineman in college football. He's not playing in this game. He's going to the NFL draft. Ditto for his running mate, Blake Fisher, the right tackle. 
He's going to the NFL draft. He's not playing in this game. Uh, the starting center, Zeke Coral, he's going to the in the transporter, going to NC State. Uh, Maris Lufau, one of those top uh, defenders, a linebacker, he's in the transfer portal as well. Uh, Cam Hart, their starting corner, uh, he's in the – actually, no, Lufau, excuse me, he's going to the NFL draft, and so is Cam Hart. Uh, both of them going to the NFL draft, two of their top defenders. And Ramon Henderson, their starting safety, he's in the transfer portal as well. And then you look at Oregon State, man, they're – Top two quarterbacks, DJ Uyengale and Aiden Childs, both of them in the transfer portal right now. Uh, Childs going to Michigan State. Jack Velling, their star tight end, he's going on uh, to the NFL draft as well. And uh, you look at uh, Easton Mascarenas Arnold, one of their top linebackers, one of the best linebackers in the Pac-12 this year. He's in the transfer portal going to USC this year. Uh, Jermon McCoy, their starting corner, going to the transfer portal. And Achille Arnold, their starting safety, going to USC. These are two completely new rosters. If you're trying to preview this game and, and trying to find you know, who's actually going to be playing, it's a very difficult task, Dalton. So ultimately, what are you looking forward to in this game between teams that we pretty much have never seen before, pretty much? <laughs> So the one thing we have seen before is the middle of Notre Dame's defense. And I would argue other than maybe Estime and Alt is the best part of their team. They did announce that Riley Mills, Howard Cross, and Jack Kaiser are returning next year. So, mm-hmm. <coughs> pardon me, they're all going to play in this game. The one thing you have to do against Oregon State is stop the run. They can do that. I, <coughs> pardon me. I like Notre Dame's defense a lot here. Their front seven you need a really good front seven to deal with this Oregon State offensive line. They're going to run off tackle as much as they possibly can with Martinez and yep. Fenwick. Same as they've done all year. Nothing's going to change. He won a third-string quarterback, right? I like Notre Dame's front seven. I, I, I think Howard Cross, third in the country in grading this year. Uh, Jack Kaiser, fifth in the country in grading at linebacker. You have that foundation. You have their front seven. You have Marcus Freeman. It's going to be points are going to be tough to come by, but I do like Notre Dame's defense a little bit better. Oregon State's losing pieces on defense. Notre Dame's not losing much on defense. They're used to playing these physical games. It's going to be low scoring, but <laughs> Notre Dame's defense is the attraction for me. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And you just mentioned it. They're on the third string quarterback. Obviously, Notre Dame's on their back quarterback as well. So that's, that's another kind of equalizer there. But Oregon State's going to run the football. That's what they want to do, especially now that they have basically no passing game on a third string quarterback. They're definitely going to do that with Dave Martinez and Fenwick as well. Uh, Beavers, 81.2 run blocking grade this year. That leads all power five schools. We don't know about Talisa Fuaga, their star right tackle, who right now might be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. We don't know if he's playing or not. That hasn't been announced yet. Uh, but if he does play, it's obviously a huge addition. So, um, But like you mentioned, man, Notre Dame, eighth among Power 5 teams with a 91.5 run defense grade. So it's kind of strength on strength in this. Um, so it's gonna be that's going to be a really fun matchup, I think. One of the only fun matchups that, that you can really find in this game is Oregon State's run game against Notre Dame's run defense. Ultimately, Dalton, who wins the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl and, and pulls out this victory? Do they get to eat a giant frosted flake? I I, I wish they I wish they were no I think it's just the sponsor no so they can't eat the sun oh, okay. so no it's, it's just the uh, that'd be cool though that's, that's that's weird that it's sponsored by Tony himself and not like <laughs> you, you know flakes yeah it's, elite it's cereal cool. yeah wow okay cool but anyway yeah no I, I like Notre Dame here I, I think um, you've at least got something stable with their with Marcus Freeman in their defense Oregon State uh, is it's kind of complete disarray there I mean. No head coach, no quarterback, possibly best old lineman leaving in the draft. Tons of other guys transferring out. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, you look, Martinez and Fenwick can really run the ball, and that's the that's the only way they can win is really grinding this thing down. But I think Notre Dame is significantly better on defense. It's going to be a low low scoring game. This is going to be one of the one of the ugliest games I think of bowl season. I'll um. I'll take Notre Dame actually thirteen to six. I'm going that low. Ooh. I think I think we've got I think we've got well we're going to get to it next. Also, I think we've got an Iowa level of of low scoring game here. I love that. I, I'm going a little more high scoring. I got twenty four seventeen. I got Notre Dame as well though. I, I think you mentioned Oregon State's in a complete disarray. Um, I think Notre Dame has their head coach. They're obviously Notre Dame probably missing more in terms of who's opting out. Uh, but I still think the Fighting Irish will get it done in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl uh, and win the Sun Bowl. So I think that'll be a, a interesting game for sure. Again, these are two unrecognizable teams to what we've seen all season. So it'll be interesting to see what they actually look like in that uh, in that Sun Bowl game. Final game we're talking about is number seventeen Iowa against number twenty one Tennessee in the Cheez It Citrus Bowl. Uh, 
is at 1 p.m. on January 1st, New Year's Day. Uh, opt-outs in this game for Iowa, really not much. Cooper DeGene is out for the season with an injury, so you don't have him. But the other one is really you know, opting out. It's a significant player is Deontay Vines, the receiver. Uh, but he only has uh, the fourth most receiving yards among Iowa wide receivers. He's only 134 receiving yards. So not really a huge loss for the Hawkeyes. So he's he's not playing. Um, for Tennessee, the notable opt-outs are Jalen Wright, uh, who has been phenomenal this year. He, he's averaging 7.4 yards per carry. That leads all running backs in the country. He's not playing. He's going to the NFL draft. We mentioned before Tyler Barron, they're one of their top edge defenders. He's transferred to Ole Miss. Uh, Danico Slaughter, their starting corner, he transferred to Arkansas. And Tamaria McDonald joins uh, Tyler Barron at Ole Miss. They're starting safety. So he's not playing either. So Tennessee missing a lot more than Iowa pretty much in this game. Um, but ultimately, Don, what are you looking forward to seeing between Tennessee and Iowa here in the uh, Citrus Bowl? I think I, I just – I think there aren't more two, – two more different teams in the country than these two teams. You've got Tennessee that's like wide open, the same thing we talked about with USF before, uh, just wide open, fast as you can go, screens, verts, like just – as spread as a spread offense can be. And you've got Iowa who is something out of the sixties or the seventies with just base, base defense, physical execution. And then, I mean, offensively, it's just a struggle. Iowa's got so many injuries. Um, It's just been, I believe, what is it like since um, I think since Kate McNamara got hurt, they're the lowest graded offense in the country group of five included. It's just a struggle. It's just such a struggle for them to score points and and to you know hitting the. It's been. It's, I mean, it's a running joke hitting the under every week, having to win games thirteen to ten. You you could not have two more different teams than these two teams playing. It's actually it actually makes it kind of hard to predict because Iowa defensively they execute so well. I've watched a lot of tape on them lately. The level of execution is is unbelievable. I mean, and and I get why Phil Parker won the Broyles Award because I mean, what what he what they ask those guys to do, carrying a pretty much non-existent offense and executing at such a high level every play. Even to be honest with you, against Michigan, they did not play a bad game on defense. Michigan's yeah. two touchdown drives were, I think, five and six yards off of one off a turnover and one off a long punt return. I mean, they really Michigan. They, they made it Michigan earn all of like 12 points. They, they didn't give up their two touchdown drives were six yards or less. So this defense is an elite unit and their offense is the complete opposite. I, I just wonder the contrast in styles in Tennessee. It's not the best defense in the SEC, but it's still an SEC defense. If, if they feel like there's anything for Iowa offensively that threatens them, you know, because even the run game isn't as good as it traditionally is. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. The over under in this game is 36 and a half points, uh, which might be the lowest of the whole bull season. I got to look it up, but uh, there's a really good chance that this game is not pretty offensively. Iowa uh, nation's worst offense in the EPA per play Iowa has this year, Tennessee's defense 21st in that same metric. So uh, we'll see about James, James Pierce jr. Who was arrested a couple weeks ago, whether or not he's playing in this game, the star edge defender, but even without him, man, I, I still think uh, Tennessee's defense will be able to will be able to stop Iowa. I, I'm pretty sure every defense in the country might be able to stop Iowa. So um, that is would be ugly on that side. And then on the other side, I mean, Jalen Wright was kind of the engine for that Tennessee offense. He's not playing in this game. So now you're without him. You know, now you're relying on Joel Milton third to carry your your offense. Um, I don't. He hasn't played great either this year. So uh, Iowa's defense fifth best in EPA play. And like I said, Tennessee's without their star player offensively. So there's a really, really good chance that this game is really, really ugly. And ultimately, Dalton, do you think the winner of this game comes down to who, whoever scores 20 points first? And who do you think wins uh, the Citrus Bowl? That's funny because that was the number I just had in my head before you mentioned it. I'll, t- I'll take Tennessee like 20 to 6. I, I just don't. There's just no threat from Iowa offensively, and I think Tennessee still has enough that they can grind things out, especially without DeGene, because honestly, when DeGene's out there, you don't even throw it in his direction. He's such a sound technician, and and he's he's going to be a really good NFL player. Like He won't be the best corner in the league, I don't think, but he's going to be that guy where you just very quietly like just go, wow, like he's just yeah. really good every single play. You can't even throw in his direction. I, I think I think Tennessee finds enough. I don't think Iowa finds any offense. We've seen this 
we've seen this enough times. I mean, and and I know Tennessee is not as good as Penn State or Michigan, but it's just Iowa. It's just hard to find them scoring more than 13 points, and it's a low bar to set, even for a team that's kind of struggled-ish offensively, especially if they don't have Jalen Wright. Milton probably has to pick some things up with his legs, you know, get the run game going somehow a little bit and get get up the seams a little bit. You know, Iowa's just incredibly good, especially in zone coverage. If you can find those windows, a couple of big plays, just grind it out, play with them. I'll take Tennessee 20-6. to six. Yeah, I'm taking uh, I'm taking Tennessee as well. I actually think Iowa will get over that 13 point line, but only by one point. I got 24 14. Tennessee wins this game. Uh, I think Joe Millen will do just enough uh, to get Tennessee over the hump and win the Citrus Bowl. So that's our kind of preview of our favorite non New Year's Six Bowl games. We'll also preview all of the New Year's Six Bowl games probably on Wednesday, I believe, the the four non-playoff New Year's Six Bowl games. And then we'll talk about, obviously, the college football playoff and, and go into a full in-depth preview of those two ma- massive matchups uh, next week as well. We want to make sure uh, you guys please um, find us on audio channels, find us on all the podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Leave five-star reviews there, please. We're trying to get the audio channels up a little bit more. Leave your questions in that review as well. Um, leave your takes in that review. We want to get to them as well. Uh, and we'll do that in a, in a mailbag episode that'll come very, very soon. Once the transfer portal kind of dies down, once the season's actually over, Dalton and I were, will obviously come to you guys a lot more uh, and ask your and answer your questions and also re- uh, react to your takes as well. Before we go, Dalton, there was breaking news that literally just happened. And I want to get your take on Carson Beck just announced that he is coming back to Georgia next season, which I think is a good move on his part, uh, kind of an expected move. But we had him as a second-round pick on our big board, so there was a chance that he ended up declaring for the draft. But now that he's going back, do you think he is the top quarterback in the country heading into next year, or do you think uh, the Alabama signal caller and Jalen Moreau has a beat for that one? Um, this is a couple of guys. I, I still, I'm still in the boat that we can't forget about Shadur Sanders. Yeah, um, I, I think there's some, I think there's some other guys who, you know, like Preston Stone is is low key, but no, he's. He's in the top. I would probably put him in the top three. He's that's big time for Georgia. I mean, to have that stability and for him to want to give it another go and and look, even a second round pick is enticing. But next yeah. year, I think he, I think he's looking at next year's draft, thinking he could go in the top fifteen. I, and I don't blame him. He's a great decision maker. He's incredibly accurate. I I think he was he was better than anybody could have expected this year for Georgia. I, you you could argue he was their best player. Yeah. Honestly, just just and, and I don't think that was expected. I think. With him in his second year, and and especially, is there any question Georgia will be in the top twelve next year? No, any que- especially no. with Beck back, right? Like that's almost a given at this point. For him, he's gonna he want. I get it. He wants to win a national title as as the starter. I totally get it. I, I think it's a great move on his part. I think you look at him next year with a little bit lighter class, but still probably a good one as as a first round pick. I think. As far as NFL prospects go, I know Milrose the freak runner, and let's let's see another year out of him in the passing game if they get a little better. But I think I think to me, Beck and Shadur Sanders are the two guys that I'm watching in the first round of the draft right now for next year. Yeah, absolutely. See, so yeah, a great, great get for Georgia to get him back, uh, coming back to school next year. That's, that's a huge, huge addition for them. So Georgia's not going anywhere anytime soon. For uh, unfortunately, for a lot of other SEC and college football fans, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Carson Beck going back to Georgia next season. But that's what we got for kind of our preview, kind of reacting to some major transfer portal news as well. We'll obviously do a lot more of this. Uh, throughout the season. Uh, so make sure you guys tune in for the Wednesday episode, though. We're going to go over all of the New Year's Six Bowl games, all the non-playoff ones, and kind of give our full preview of that one as well. But for Dalton Lossman, for Bruce Eli, I'm Max Chadwick. We'll see you guys next time.